Yeah. I was like, whoop. So, but, uh, so the title of the sermon today is It's All About You. It's all about you. So uh, talking about the American gospel, I've, I've, I've watched the sneak peek. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. Um, but today's message is all about you. And uh, of course, there's a little touch of sarcasm in that title, right? There's a touch of sarcasm in that title. So we'll look at that and dive into that as we go through today. But let's um, go ahead and stand for the reading of the scripture. Uh, it is a little bit long. I tried to cut it down, but I just liked all of it. So we're going we're gonna to share it all the scripture. So it's in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11 is where we will begin. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it. But the word is very near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over to the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here. Come fill this place and flood the atmosphere. Amen. Be seated. All right, so um, how many people like to make decisions? Who like to make decisions? Yeah, Debbie likes to make decisions. Right. Where, where to eat? Yeah. I thought about using that illustration, but I was like, man, it's always, I hate doing a food illustration right before, right before lunch uh, during the sermon. But uh, yes, I did think about that one. Right, sometimes, you know, you go through your days, you make a lot of decisions. I'll come home, Renee will ask me, hey, what do you think about this? I'm like, I'm done with decisions. You, you, you make it. And uh, we were talking about it, and she says, she shared a term with me that, that she feels sometimes she has decision paralysis. She doesn't like to make decisions sometimes, right? And we all get in that situation. But as we look at making decisions today, I found a number, it's at Google it, and again, you can take for credit if what's true or not on Google, but it says we make 35,000 decisions a day. I think about, whew, that's a lot of decisions per day, but if you think about all the movements and stuff, I guess it could be there. That's not the point, but the point is just to reiterate that we make a lot of decisions every day. So, in the spirit of high technology, I have a riddle for you. All right? It's going to sit here? Yeah, it's going to sit here. All right. There are three frogs on a log. Okay? And one decides to jump off. How many frogs are still on a log? Three. Very good. 
because he made the decision, but he didn't actually jump. Okay? So, we're going to think about that today as we talk about a decision and then talk about the actions that result from that decision. Okay? All right, so the context of our scripture that we read today, right, is the Israelites are getting ready. They're in the plains of Moab. Moses, 120 years old, it's essentially his final speech to his people. They're getting ready to go over into the promised land that God has promised to them. Okay? And he wanted to make it clear in his final message that today was it. They had to make a decision today. In the passage that we read, it says today five times. See before you have said today, that I command you today. I declare you today. Earth and witness against you today. That day was very important to the Israelites, just as today is very important to everyone here. Moses told the Israelites that their future success no longer depended on him. He had done his part. He had told them, what God could do for them. It was no longer about God and what God could do for them because God had proven time and time and time and time again that he would provide to them. But today, it was all about them because they had to make a choice. They had to make a choice. In our passage, it says you are your 29 times. That's where the title comes from. It said, you are your 29 times in that passage that we just read. So that's where it's all about you and the decision that we have to make in our lives to obey Christ and accept him. Okay, So let's look at this together. Verse 11, it says, as we start off, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. So I think about, it's not too hard for us. It is hard. But Moses is telling them here that, look, you've got all these laws. Don't get buried with it because I know that you know it. So let's do it. How does Moses know that they've heard about these promises? He's the one that told them time and time and time and time again about the laws. So I think, if, you know, if you study, there's like 600 different laws in the Old Testament. Right? If you just flip back to 27... And look at the headings, or uh, actually 19. Go back to 19, and you just scroll through the headings. It talks about all these laws, right? So laws concerning the cities of refuge, laws concerning welfare, um, marriage, uh, laws concerning sexual immorality, laws concerning divorce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they follow, they have to follow all these laws. I would be a little burdensome and worried if I had to follow all those laws. How many laws are in the United States? There's not an easy answer. I only went through two pages on the internet, but nobody could tell us how many laws were in the United States. I thought that was my problem in itself. Because for, uh, I once said, and I've shared this before, that the further away you get from God, the more laws you need to guide man. So think about how far we've come with law after law after law after law because we can't follow the basic one that God sets before us. There's over 20,000 laws governing the use and ownership of guns alone. That's really the only number that I could find. But I do know that in 1980, there was 23,000 pages 
of laws in the country. Chances are you don't go through your life every day thinking about how to obey 23,000 laws and rules, do you? We live by a common few. I think that's what Moses is trying to say when it says it's not difficult to follow these commands because you don't need to worry about every single rule if you go by the common few. So on our Bible study, we are taking the, uh, the summer off, but we just went through the book of Deuteronomy. And sometimes we have pop quizzes. Everybody like pop quizzes? No, everybody don't like pop quizzes. So we had a pop quiz, and it was closed book too. So those are even harder. And what we went through, I asked our class to put on the dry erase board the Ten Commandments. All right? So we went through and we listed the Ten Commandments. We tried to list the Ten Commandments. So when we got done, how many do you think we had? Six? Ten? Twelve? We had twelve. We had 12 on the board. Pastor Huff's like, oh, God. <laughs> don't bring that up. Don't bring that up. All right, no. We had 12, right? So it, it was a good 12, though. Let me explain. So the 10, right? And you, you think about it. Hopefully prompting you to stu study the word here, right? But what are the 10? Rattle through your brain. A lot of people, they go three or four, and then they slow down and don't quite get them, right? But you shall have no other gods. You shall not make idols. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. Shall not commit adultery. Shall not steal. Shall not lie. Shall not covet. But we had two extra. We had two extra. But it's really awesome what they were. And I was actually very touched by what they were. Because if we flip over to Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. Matthew 22:36 36, it states, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love the neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So those are the extra two. And I thought to myself, if we were going to have an extra two, we got the right ones, right? Because we have all the Old Testament laws, but then we have the two that Jesus gave us that were the two greatest commandments. So it turned out pretty good. So Jesus teaches in Matthew what we just read, just like Moses is teaching to the Israelites, is that it said it's not too hard that we should not get buried in the weeds. We cannot get buried beneath the laws that lead to blindness. We see and we get hit by keeping all these rules and we get blinded to what we need to see and that is to focus our lives on God, to love Him and your neighbor. So when He says it's not too hard for you, love God and love your neighbor. Okay, let's look at verse 12 back at our main passage. It says, It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven to bring it to us, neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who will bring it to us to hear and to do it. So both of these two things, I was like, well, why did he give these two illustrations? So as I study it and I read it, I think about what the Israelites had just went through the last 40 years and what common things. What did they do every day? 
they went out and collected manna for their food, right? God provided it. That's a whole other sermon of what it tasted like for 40 years, day after day after day after day, right? But God provided it, and they ate it for 40 years. So what did they do? It fell from heaven, right? It actually says in Exodus 16, 16, 4, that behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So they had to look up for 40 years. Right? So they had to provide on God for their food and nourishment. And then he says, look over the sea, right there in our verse 12. And that's the other big example that we always relate to. Right? And we always read in the Old Testament because it says Moses, depart, Moses parted what? Moses parted the Red Sea. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back as strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Then, then verse 26 down below it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. So when I first read this passage, I thought, oh, we're going to preach on some laziness and preach on some sloth, sloth, right? When I read this passage, this first little verse here, about, look, nobody's going to bring it to you. You know, not, it's not going to bring down to you. It's not going to come across the sea. It's not going to come to you. You've got to go get it. But I don't think Moses was getting on the Israelites for being lazy. I think he was getting on to them to say, now is the time to change. The last 40 years, you've been relying on God for everything. You still need to rely on God, but you have to make the choice to obey Him and rely on Him. It's a similar choice that we have today, right? That we can choose to obey God and choose to rely on Him. Because a lot of times when we try to do it all ourselves, do it all ourselves, do it all ourselves, what happens? We fail. We get tired. We get weary. That burden is extremely heavy. That burden is extremely heavy. Okay, um, I want to go to 30, back to 30, and look at verse 14 here. Because I've already mentioned that Moses had shared this message with them and preached to them for the last 40 years, essentially, as he guided them. But one of the verses that I really enjoyed studying was verse 14. So I want you to, to mark it, because it's a sermon in itself. And of course, I have to warn against pulling any verse out and just looking at out of its context. So, so that's one warning, but I want you to look at and read with me again verse 14. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart so that you can do it. Okay? That, that's a verse that I, I've put to myself to commit to memory because when I look at it, it reminds me here that if I dive into the word every day, if I, if I study it, if I put it in my heart, if I put it in my mind, then it'll lodge itself there. It'll get stuck in a place you want it to get stuck so that when those times are tough, you can go back and rely on God. I can do anything God sets before me, right? And that's the part of the, 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 the message that the prosperity gospel, right, is that you can do anything that you want to do. But that's not what I'm saying in this verse. That's not what God's saying in this verse. God is telling me that if you keep him in your, if you read his word, then what he wants is what 
I will want. It's what I will want. Okay? Everybody thinks about, I, I promised myself I wouldn't do this. I'm breaking my promises, but Greg is asking for it this morning. He comes in so proud with that shirt. I'm like, dude, that's awesome, brother. That is awesome, right? All I want, and I saw a new 2020 Chevy yesterday. I was like, that is nice, man. I really want one of those. That is sweet. And I'm like, I doubt God really wants me to have the 2020 Silverado, right? But when I see it, what we want is not what God wants sometimes. But if we stay in his word and we stay aligned to his thoughts, then we will get what God wants in the end. What we want, because it'll be the same thing as what God wants. All right. So Moses says it's up to each one of the Israelites to make the decision to obey God or not. All right, so we talked about in our study the last several weeks in Deuteronomy that you could sum it up in one word, and that word would be obedience. Obedience. If you choose to obey God, then you are choosing life. If you choose not to obey God, then you're choosing death. It's, it's that simple. A few weeks ago, I was struggling with a topic, and Brother Carl and I were talking, and he said... It, it's simple. It's so simple that people can't believe it. And I think about there's some things in, in the Bible that it's that simple. And that's part of this message today is it's that simple. You can choose God and choose Christ and have life or you cannot and have death. It's that simple. It's that simple. And you can't delay the decision anymore. That's why I'm sharing this message today because it's never too early to decide for Christ, but the time will come where it will be too late to decide for Christ. You know, I had our scripture picked out several weeks ago, and Pastor Huff, he reminded me that, uh, or he shared with us many times, that you can go different tracks, right? And you can get down different holes when you start to study. And on the church calendar, it's Pentecost Sunday. That's, we're not talking about it, so read Acts 2 later today, so you're, you're up on the church calendar, right? But we're not talking about that today because our path today and the path in my heart was set at 10.04 Thursday morning. At 10.04 Thursday morning. At a string of events that I want to share with you that put on my heart that the decision has to be made today. At 10.04 I'm sitting at my office, sitting in my office and I get a text message. And it says, my mother passed away this morning. So one of my supervisors, his mother passed away, 10.04. And I'm sitting there staring at my, my, my phone because they, they don't teach text counseling in school, right? That's a new thing. Um, but, but how do you properly counsel you know, via text message, right? So you have to choose your words very wisely. So I'm sitting there and, and, I, and I think about, you know, a lot of times people don't want words they just want to know that you're there with them. But the digital age makes it a little difficult. So I simply reply to him, man, my heart aches for you. Thanks for letting me know. And let's just touch base early next week because we've got some you know, HR stuff that we can help him out with. So I limited it to three short sentences. And then I hit send. I hit send and immediately after that, when I say immediately, I'm saying 10.09. I get a text message that says, her father passed away, and she's in the room with our HR manager. It floored me. It floored me to the point I looked up, and I see them both in there. And I have another lady that's crying because she just lost her father. And she's mad at herself because she convinced herself last week she was too busy, and she didn't see him, and it was a time that I was just there. 
encouraged her to focus on the good things and good memories of the past that they could share and to not blame herself. I don't know why, but death happens in threes. I, I, I don't know why. In, in, my, in my world, for some reason, it happens in threes. So I kind of braced myself, but, but it came Friday morning. It came Friday morning when I had another lady said, hey, I need to talk to you. And I said, I'll be in at 745. I get there at 745 and she's with HR and she is sobbing. That her best friend committed suicide the night before. And when I say best friend, I'm saying best friend. Very, very best friend. And she is bawling and blaming herself that she didn't see it coming and happening. So all of those hit me in less than 24 hours. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not prepared. I see this lady crying. I just want to preach her, preach to her, like preach to her in a way that she, she's, she's struggling with why bad things happen to good people. She's struggling with common things. And I just want to tell her that bad things will happen because there's evil in this world. But I have a hope just like Huff was talking about. And I just want to give her that hope. And I pray that door will be open soon. And I can do that. Those, those three things and a, and a few other smaller things. Um, the, the, our HR manager, she actually, she's from Puerto Rico. And she said, there's some magical things happening here. And I was like, hold up, time, time out. <laughs> like, hold up, time out. So I, 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 call, I call a buddy and I call a buddy and I say, hey, grab a buddy, grab a buddy. And uh, we went in the huddle room and we had some prayer time. At work, we had some prayer time. We held hands and we said, said, God, just encourage these people, but be with us here that we can be a shining light to people. And that's a message today that I want to reiterate to you that in your life, you have to make that decision to accept Christ, but you have to make that decision to share Christ with others. Life is precious, life is short. And as many of us know, life is very fragile. So if we do choose life, how do you choose it? That's what I love about the Bible. A lot of times it tells you the answers. So in verse 16, it says, um, well, let me get on the right page. Verse 16, it says, If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, three things, by loving the Lord your God, walking in His ways, and keeping His commandments and statutes. So love the Lord, walk in His ways, and keep His commands. So we show our obedience with these three things. There's a passage that I saw throughout the Old Testament that I wanted to reiterate. So I had a few volunteers to, to break up my speaking. But Debbie, do you have one? 532, Deuteronomy 532. Read that for us, please. And then Brenda, you had one. Sister Brenda. Very good. And Denise, you had Joshua 1 7. Very 
good. So do not turn to the right. Do not turn to the left, but what? Stay straight. Do not depart or deviate from the path that God has given you. Right? So I love it when illustrations, when God gives you the illustration, right? Uh, in the message, but do not depart or deviate from the path of God. So that's how we choose it. What happens when we choose it? All right, when we choose it, the second half of verse 16, it says, Then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. See, I told you today was all about you. Because now we're going to talk about the blessings that you get. Right? The blessings that you get. So what it is here for? So I think brand new Chevy, brand new fishing rod, brand new boat. You know, you put it in whatever's in your life that God you consider blessings in your life. I think that's where the American gospel stops. But blessing is a word, I told Brother Greg this a while back, blessing is a word that I think we take too lightly. So I wanted to study it. One of the best definitions I found of blessings is to dispense favor or goodness, to receive from God His favor and goodness. It's okay to ask for God's favor. And blessing on your life. But the key part that the gospel, the American gospel leaves out is the fact of transfer blessings. The aspect of the transfer element of a blessing. I don't need a new bass boat, but with my little John boat, and I got a brother that has a, a fish. Right? I love to fish. And I fished in a tournament where we take wounded warriors that suffer from things. And it is their best day of their year. I'm blessed with a little boat, but I need to bless somebody else with it. We're blessed financially, but we have to bless somebody else with it. We don't get blessings to enjoy them ourselves. We get blessings to share them, and so we can glorify God. It's a storehouse that we should not store. It's blessings that we have to share with others. We should put it on display. We should put God on display with the blessings that we have. Dr. Evans, uh, Tony Evans is where I picked up this transfer element, and it, it just it struck me. And I'm like, all right, well, prove it to me. Prove it to me, right? And he said, I didn't talk to him. This was online. He said, all right, go to Genesis 22. All right, so I go to Genesis 22 and the story of Abraham. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second, excuse me, a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son or your only son. I will surely bless you. Who is being blessed? Abraham. Right? And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Who is blessed because Abraham was blessed? The entire nation. Why was Abraham blessed? Because he obeyed God. Okay. Dr. Evans wrote, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to somebody else. It's that simple. It's that simple. Put the glory of God on display. Right? So if you choose to obey God, the blessings of God will show up as long as you understand the transfer element of blessings in your life. I don't know about you, but that's a cycle I want to get stuck in. Whatever I get, Let's bless somebody else with it. 
Now, on the other hand, and again, this is probably the part that the American gospel stops. But on the other hand, if you don't choose life, what is your other option? It is death. It is death. And nobody wants to talk about it, but guess what? It's right here. Verse 17 and 18 of our passage. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but you are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter. You will be cursed. We studied in Deuteronomy blessings and curses. Back in chapter 27 it says, Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father and mother. Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark. Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road. So see, these are some of the actions that can cause you to be cursed. So what does being cursed means? Answers it right here in 2820. The Lord will send a curse on you, a curse of confusion and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly. Anybody ever confused? Anybody ever frustrated? Rely on God to help with that. That's a, a cursing. It's a picture and it's not a pretty one, but it's the truth. So a short quote, I really want you to grab this quote because it, it's powerful to me. It says, passion does not overtake ignorance. Passion does not overtake ignorance. So what, that, what does that mean for us? Why am I sharing it here? I'm sharing it because it's a point of confusion in our society today. Sometimes we disobey God and don't even know it. Because we've not opened this word and studied it. I think it's the source of confusion in a lot of things. People are zealous, but in today's thing, oh, God still loves me. God will always love you. But you show your love for God by obeying what his word says. Not by choosing the lifestyle you wish. Not by choosing a child that's killing him because he's not born yet. That's where the confusion lies. It's because we might be passionate about God, but ignorant about his word. That's our challenge to study it, to know. Because there's going to be a test. It could be an open book test. But don't those tests always go better when you know the material? You're not sitting there flipping through trying to find the right answer because you got it in your mind. In this case, you know it in your heart. So several weeks back, Pastor Huff started out and he challenged us on this very... Um, state, I guess it is a stage, sounds state. Um, on the platform that not every point or promise in the Bible is meant for us. So I want to look through that lens um, as we close here today. So is this applicable to us? I've already pointed out a few things, but is the Moses talking to the Israelites the same thing as what we're going through today? Is that still applicable to us today? Is that a promise that still stands for us? And I say it is. I say it is. And I'm going to look to 2 Peter 3.13. 2 Peter 3.13 states, But according to his promise, Jesus, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Then in Mark 16.16, it says, Whoever believes and be baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So those two things tell me that as the Israelites are on the cusp of their promised land, they had to choose to obey God to get it. 
As we are on the cusp of our promised land, heaven, we have to choose to obey God and Jesus Christ to get to our promised land. So there's similarities between those situations. The message in the passage today, I think, is simple. So remember, it is all about you. God has laid out his part. Just like Moses did his part, God did his part, Jesus has put the path right down the middle for us. But it is all about you that you have to make the choice between life and death. So which one will it be? Let's stand.